some shirts from this exact same place, but there is a online online um, pin shop. They just mostly do uh, acrylic pins, and they're mostly pop culture based. But it's called Patty Lapel, and which I always thought that was funny. And uh, <laughs> sorry, I am a huge Patty Lapel fan. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was why I jumped up. Kind of. <laughs> so they do these really like limited run hats and shirts and then they and their kind of bread and butter is pins they actually have a Nicole Kidman um, even heartbreak feels good here in pin it's like her, oh her God, the AMC. AMC, the AMC pin so they did this one and they sold that you know they they did a very limited run of like 30 and then and I missed out on the first run and this is the second run and the thing that says it says together again in the back um, but that then that's the only difference of the two different versions of the hat but okay. yes uh, I'm a huge huge Muppets fan big oh. Statler and Waldorf um, I you, love you would that. I, I remember vividly the um, Muffets little TV show, but the Muffets babies. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I loved it. Uh, my parents were big on, and my entertainment kind of taught me life lessons, and they did well. They did it well. Nice. Very well. But this is, I like the hat. I like the um, font mix-up, actually. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. So, so today we have a special guest with us. Who are you? Yeah, so Devin Goodman, I am a just about town person, I guess, busybody. Ooh, I like that. Um, who <laughs> this is why she's here. Devin is, about town. Yeah. That ooh, would be a good okay. podcast name right there. So my actual podcast is a Goodman's Education Conversation, okay. and it's just one little short series breaking down education, uh, looking at the history of it, advocacy, giving some parents some tips, and why we have to really look at the system of education and it has to change kind of thing. It uh, has to be burned. Yeah, pretty much. At this point, there's we're just going to be picking through ashes for the good stuff and it's going to be very little. Yeah, I, I'm lucky that I get to teach in higher education and I don't have to deal with some of the bureaucracy in K-12, K-12. through There's still plenty of bureaucracy in higher oh, education sure. that I just want to set a match to. So much, so much. I can only imagine. Yeah. I'm angry. <laughs> I think a lot of people are angry and that are still in the classrooms in K through 12 and they are just bless their hearts. The last men standing pretty much. Yes. Uh, I think about when I taught in Latvia, they had a phrase cause they'd just gone through their really bad recession and everybody was leaving. That was under the age of like 30 and it was turn the lights out. Um, before you go because the airport turned and that's kind of what's happening in education right now is if you're the last one turn the last lights out. Last man out, turn the, yeah. turn well, the lights out. the good news is, is we've got lots of money that's pouring into the educational system, right? And a lot of good people that are putting that, 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 are, that are pulling their own personal politics out of it aside and look, doing what's really truly best for the children. I mean, that's clear. Yes. Yes. Right? Uh, so, whew, there. Thank goodness. And, Thank and goodness. teachers and teachers are very well compensated for their yeah. for their work. Ooh, um, I'm at, that's what we'll pick out the dust, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Devin, you're here today to yes. talk with us about The Woman King, right? Gina so Prince Bythewood's um, latest film starring Viola Davis. Yes. Um, wh where do you guys want to start? Uh, I don't really know. I mean, okay. Um, okay, everybody liked it. That's where we start, right? Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. Yes, okay. yes, okay. yes. All right. yes. I mean, here's one of the things that I, 
I thought first sitting down to watch it. It is it is a really good action film. Like first and foremost, it's an action film yes. with with a message or with messages. But those messages aren't didactic. I don't find those messages too heavy handed or hitting right. me over the head. And I really appreciate that. That I right. can just kind of let the the action film form right. do that work of then of then filling in the content or letting the content kind of grow from there. Yes, I could see that. Um, I really appreciated it, and I took it from the perspective of, one, I did not realize it was going to be an action film. So there were definitely moments where clutching but enjoyed, but I <laughs> took it as a kind of, right, Shea Coulee's drag, a love letter to black women. Um, and at the end of the day, everything wasn't for everybody, but as a black woman watching it, by the way, I'm black, y'all. Um, it was really cool to just sit there and take it in. Um, and the friend I went to see it with is non-black, white woman, but also was like, you, that hit, didn't it? And I was like, yes, yeah. this was great. Yeah, this this was a film made by black women. Right. Except for Maria Bello, who came up with the story. Which, which is Oh, my goodness. Wild. But it's in line with her very That's much. True. It That's is true. very much in line with who she is. But it's it's made by black women, starring black women, yes. about black women. And, and yes. the screening I was at was sort of was well diverse. Okay. And even like families and young and old. I could see and, that. And a pretty, I went opening weekend and it was okay. a pretty full theater too. Yeah, it's done really well. I, what I think I, lo I love about it so much is that it, like like you said, it's not didactic. It just, it it presents these ideas and, and these, not even, I mean, again, it just presents this story and this scenario without having to over explain it. it. They never go into having to explain why they're women warriors or, right. you know, why it, it, it's just presented to you as something to take as fact. They never go in. And never apologize for it at all. And then just let the audience take it in as if it were any other movie that Hollywood has put out over right. the past century yes. where about, you know, about war essentially. And obviously family, you know, family and, and all the other things that, and all the other trappings that come with your typical movie. But also, yes, it was very popcorn blockbustery. This was just a good sit down and and there were themes to be taken out of it but you could also right. just just take this on its surface of I'm going to see some people kick some ass. Right. But yeah. but to your point, too, of presenting uh, women of color and like and so much what appears to be. And if you all apologize if I say this wrong, but like where these are just these are women who they all have different body types. They all have right. they all Which look like they're. Yes. You know, they yeah. all look like they're just athletes. Right. They're just right. they all look like warriors in, oh, in yes. different. And, you know, and they're, uh, you know, and that was one of the things and we can talk about it more just plot line. But how the Agoyate like. You know, found the the different specialties of all the different types of people and all the different types of women that would come to them and, right. and how they could fight. Yeah. Yes. I, and Viola Davis and and I think um, Prince Biden would have talked about this of how they fought for specific actors. Yes. A, a specific actor actor specific actors of specific color. Yes. Hair type that yes. looked a certain way, and they don't shy away from this, which is no. so. I mean, Viola Davis is in her fifties, and and she's like. No, just own it. Right? right. We don't have to pretend that I'm not. But I think that makes it all the more powerful. Right. Right. I thought it was really cool, especially because on that historical side, it's very accurate that they would, for the type of kingdom they were, 
have a diverse group of women, um, especially the offering too of you can bring your child here. And then on the fact of like, they really were intentional that those women were able to show up from, I got the hairstyles that are very specific to certain tribes to even the, just you could look at Bone Strucker and be like, oh, I know that this is what tribe you were representing from this time period and culture. Um, and I even liked the fact that Viola Davis's right hand woman. Agoze. Yes. Oh, no, wait. No. The super, super tall one. Uh, Sheila Tim is the actress. I forget Get her, name. her name. But she, oh my goodness, with just her facial expressions, was able to convey so much. And even then, I was like, I know that they came to her and were like, who would you represent? And so I was really glad everything came in sync because I've seen them talk about it. And then on the same side of it, you're right about the fact that it's just a good, let's have some battles, which is the director's kind of brand from what I've learned. It's part of her brand. Aminza is, is okay, her name. thank you. One reason, so The Old Guard, Gina Prince, by the way, directed The Old right. Guard, which starring Charlize Theron, Kiki Lane, and um, Hot Martin Eden from the film Martin <laughs> Eden. If you haven't seen it, it's great. <laughs> Those battles are so much more spectacular, too. They're yes. slicker, right? Yes. Prince Bythewood was an athlete, was a college athlete, like a high-level athlete. Yeah. She understands how these that bodies should sense. move and how these bodies should look going through these motions. I think that comes through really clearly. She's like, no, this is how you're going to move, and they're going to work on that and work on that and work on that. I did not know that. That makes so much sense, because in the old guard, one of my favorite scenes is at the very end, not to spoil, but also it's been out a while. No, we No worries. This is not a non-spoiler yeah. okay. podcast. If you haven't seen The Woman King, stop the podcast right now. Yeah. Go find a place to go see it and then come yes. back. Yeah. Yes. Um, Old Guard on Netflix and catch it because two is coming out soon. Um, but the scene where um, the Italian, I believe, lover flips That's hot the guy. Uh, yes. Flips the guy and snaps his, his neck. I have yeah. never seen that yeah. ever. It was really cool. Any, yeah. And it, it was so good. good. It was yes. so good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a fun movie, too. Yeah. It, 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 it's. It's funny just because Netflix has such a history of putting out such garbage, especially yes. their their, and again they'll pepper in one of these movies like The Old Guard. That's where, how they get us, right? Exactly. Right. So, so then we then we get suckered into watching something like Red Notice or like you know oh, these other terrible terrible films. Yes. I was really taken aback by how by how good it was. Although in my only complaint about The Old Guard is that it was clearly it almost seemed like that would be better suited for a series. It, it had so much story Same. to tell. Well, it's based off. Of a graphic novel, I believe. Yes. Yes. Which, yes. which seems, uh, I don't read graphic novels. Not that there's anything wrong with graphic it's novels. Not your breath. But <laughs> here we go. But I know, I know, I know. It's not fucking Flaubert. <laughs> um, last time I talked about Zola, so right. I'm bringing in Flaubert. Oh, okay. um, graphic novels come seem more episodic just in nature. Yes. And so I think that's why I would have that kind of series. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it was. I don't know. I don't know much about the the graphic novels. So I don't. You don't, I don't read know graphic novels either. You're I mean, I'm shit for it. I, no, I'm just waiting for your diatribe. Is this is the going off? On, <laughs> Here's Brock's corner on what he hates about popular culture. <laughs> That's the next podcast. It's, it's a new segment. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so I don't know if it was if it was like a, a weekly. So a lot of times graphic novels are just compilations of, of right. individual comics, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so I don't know if it was an individual comic or if it was just put out as the old guard. I would assume that there's more story to tell. Um, and clearly they were setting it up. You know, the end of Old Guard 
is setting it up for oh yes yeah yes. to go to it's, go on and to can you continue, continue it's coming out next yes, year right? Old it is. I think so okay. I'm so excited right. but I do think you're correct especially with all the flashbacks that could have oh, right. yeah. happened because there's so much more story there um little yeah, gaps it, but not too crazy and if you wanted to kill off uh Cameron Cameron Diaz Charlize <laughs> Theron's character <laughs> in Old Guard 2 right you could eat very easily do a prequel series about how she's been yes. a warrior across time, really. I mean, right. so yeah, it, it would be very easily done. Um, it's weird that it's taken quite this long, and I guess I know that she was that that, that um, Gina was making this, and then just no, and then she's going to be a producer on the old guard too. Right, she right. won't be making it, but right. um, but still, woman dire- women directed, right? Well, yeah. right. Black woman director, yeah. Um, who was the second unit director on one of the Star Wars? Uh, yes. La- Last Jedi, mm-hmm. I think uh, she was Ryan the, Johnson's kind of protege. Yeah, the good one, the the good Star Wars. The, the, yes, the one that was everyone was up in arms about. Yeah, because right, they're because, idiots. <laughs> Sorry, and and we have to play to fan service to everything. Ah. Oh, 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 are you not Look, a are you not a Last Jedi? We no, no, no. I, <laughs> okay, I, 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 the only thing I didn't really I'm care sorry. about Last Jedi was the um, was the Carrie Fisher Superman pose. That was oh. kind of it kind of that lost was, me a little bit. Oh, but okay. um, I'm not gonna lie, uh, Star. Wars. I'm slowly but surely. About four Thanksgivings ago, I knocked out all the Lord of the Rings in one day, and um, it was rough, fun. It was a, uh, director's cuts or, the, or theatrical cuts. Directors. Oh wow! Look at you. Yes, we, it was a group that's of a strange, friends. Okay, I was going to say it's a strange commitment. To it was. It was our Friendsgiving <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so none of you wanted to talk to each other. So you just put a movie on. So so like all day long. Okay. I was like, you know what? We can't like speak the, through this. I like the idea of Devin going like, "Who's that guy?" <laughs> Wait, a lot that? of that. Wait, a lot. Wait, of who's that, that other short they, guy? What about him? What, what Why are, are their feet so hairy? A lot of that. It was actually. I have said. I wish we would have set up a camera because none of us are as close. That you know, kind of pop friends. You know, it was seven years ago, and and I just the time lapse of who came, who left, who napped, who didn't, who danced, who played, who actually watched the movie, kind of thing. And that's what I want to do with like Star Wars. But the thing is, kind of like Marvel. It's gotten a like it's uh, not a day. Yeah, it's you're, a month. you're losing time yes. at this point. Yeah, <laughs> that, you'll, that you'll never get back by going to watch those films and and series and yeah, because it's like uh, everything now, right? It's a lot like series, Marvel, yeah, okay. where it's okay. everything's kind of inter- intertwined. Okay. Victoria Mahoney is who's directing Old Guard too. Oh, it's, nice. she, in the so. yeah, it's in just just like second unit director. Was second yeah. unit, uh, and uh, I, and I think from the the Old Guard two, those of us who watched Kill Bill. And we're like, gosh, I wish I got more of Lucy Liu's world. You're going to kind of see that show up in Old Guard 2. Oh, okay, cool. Yes, that, okay. yes. I went down a deep web when oh. I first came out, and then again when I rewatched it um, for a conversation, introduced my grandparents to it. They loved it. Oh. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Look at you bridging generations. Um, I, they love a good action flick. They agreed with you on Red Notice to the extent <laughs> that they terrible. got up and went to bed. No, no, that was <laughs> one. Yeah, so bad. Yeah, there were. Well, and again, I have this. It, it, Brock and I talked last night about how he has finally been able to put down a book that he doesn't like. I have not been able to do that oh. successfully with movies so much. Okay. There's, so, like, it's for, for Red Notice, I'm, I... I, w- I had to. Watch. It was like three or four times where I had to like even get through it, and then uh, yeah, eventually you just kind of put it oh, aside. Oh god! Yeah. Ooh, you yeah. powered through. Ooh. Yeah, but I, I have I have long 
gun in the swing for movies. This, yeah, this book imagine. sucks. And I, I was movies probably around the same time too, where I'm like, I'm not watching this anymore. This Interesting. Maybe because astrology pin. I'm all air signs. <laughs> I had no qualms about ever being like, I don't like this. This doesn't work for me. Bye. I'm I'm a water sign. I don't know what that means, but I am it a exactly sign. what. Okay, you, then, all right. you went back to red notice four times. That's what that means. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on right now. <laughs> this is what this podcast has become. At yes, well, this I, is what happens when you invite me. It's not that I'm not having a good time. I just don't know. It's but I'm I have been in a lot of places having a good time and having no idea why I was having a good time. So it happens. It happens. And then I quit drinking, and that doesn't happen anymore. Right. I no, just have a shitty time everywhere. No go. good time. <laughs> but you now know and have the skill set to walk away. This is true. This is true. Yes. Baby this steps. Is little... no, no. <laughs> Baby steps. Okay. Can we get back to, to, the, to yeah. the woman Sorry. king, please? No, okay. Sure. Why not? I'm kidding. I don't, I don't really care. We, I just oh, to... you were talking about the athleticism and the fights, which yeah. were, although fight scenes were amazing, truly favorite, like, grit scene, though, was her going through those thorn bushes or whatever they're called. That... During her, like, final test. Yes. One of the I'm going to be honest. not sure what that test was trying to accomplish. <gasps> I don't, Other than just, just that you can oh, yeah. finish it, right. just that you can finish it. I think that was all it was. Right <laughs> I, at the uh, end of the day, that I mean, you cool. will not give up. But also, it set up something that I want to talk about. Yeah. I want to nitpick, but I want to go back to this idea about the action scenes too, because I thought compare those to the scenes in the old guard, which was slicker, more spectacular. Mm-hmm. These felt a lot more real. Uh, they also felt like there was more at stake mm-hmm. I think, in them. Oh, yes. the old guard, yes, they're immortal. But you know and it was more kind of like, oh, this is just a really cool fight yep. scene and people moving and, and, and the way uh, the camera moved. At what point will they wake back up? Right. Kind of this felt I, I, more real. Yeah. 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 There were definitely, there was a point where I turned to Shaston and was like, hey, shout out to Shaston Art Tooth. Um, <laughs> and was like, I am having flashbacks to Battle of the Bastards right here. Um, Game of Thrones clutching, like who, what is happening? This is very real. To me. Uh, I, I didn't say this. This is a this is a, oh. a Game of Thrones safe space. We don't. We don't okay, we don't. so y'all still haven't recovered from the last season burn. I've never. I, you to, never watched it. So I think I watched half of the last season, and I was like, I'm so glad I didn't watch any more of this. No, now okay, because <laughs> I held out forever. I didn't come in until like the fourth season, and was truly just reading the scripts up until then, or like the balancing back and forth for that the books. I get it. You guys stand your ground on something. <laughs> I understand. Not even going to go back to the House of the Dragons? No. Okay. Brock right. just sits at his home and just angry and stewing most of the time. Just and, and looking out. He's looking out at, at the window and yelling at the sky for a cup of just coffee for and being a, dog. a thing. A cup of coffee and my dog. Yes. <laughs> and typically a book. Are you well. also no Game of Thrones? No, no, no. I, I have not watched uh, House of the Dragon. I, I was pretty much put off by the last season. And also just all of, the, all of the rhetoric around that. Yes. That just, was just tiring. Oh, right? It's just you could, bad storytelling. Yes. Well, not only it's that. but bad it, fucking storytelling. But, <laughs> but just it gets exhausting of like... Uh, yeah, it was bad. The last season was bad, and, and then you just can't like stop reading things about it and hearing things about it. Same. It's interesting how that whole series, how well revered it was at the beginning, and then just kind of fell off the cliff. We still talk about The Sopranos and The Wire and Breaking Bad, exactly. and these, these TV series that were just. And it seems like Game of Thrones. It, Game of Thrones is like Avatar, where just like no one speaks about Avatar anymore. Mm, I mean, they will yes. soon. And again, I never count out James Cameron for anything. I, I don't think he's a great filmmaker. I think he's an well. I think he's a very entertain. technically great filmmaker. I don't oh. think he's a good storyteller. Right. Um, 
But I never like every time we every time he comes up with something and he's going to spend eight hundred billion dollars on a movie that I, I just I'm, he'll just make it back. It won't, it won't matter because we can't. He's sold his soul to the devil at some point, so it, ha- it has to be. Uh, so I haven't gotten into House of the Dragon as of yet. Um, I have watched a couple episodes because when I was in Italy, it was the only show that was on that was in English. So I watched like one of the episodes where they go to a sex dungeon or something. So I've heard of this episode. And then um, and so I watched it like five times because again, it was the only show in Italy that. <laughs> Was that I could see. You're done. You've watched the season, technically. Right, right. So I saw the sex dungeon scene. So yeah. that's that's that was pretty cool, and it, and it has a lot of that same feel. It's one of those things like once I have kind of divorced myself from a from a genre or or from a particular type of show, it's I find mm-hmm. it hard to jump back into. Same. And so, like, I I don't go back. I haven't watched Rings of Power or Ring of Power, or and I haven't watched. I really I, once the Hobbit movies were so terribly done. Then it was just You're and, done. Yeah, okay. I was kind of out of it. Okay. So. Okay, I understand that too. Uh, last season, I think it's a great example of when Hollywood meets a storyteller because George R. R. Martin is a good storyteller. He knows how to take history and weave it to meet the reader but I think that your writers were just not which is not what we saw in The Woman King although I think y'all maybe had some some opinions on plot oh. or things well, well I want to go back to the bat- you, well, you wanted to the battle scene. Battle yeah. Scene. yeah so so looking at it from an from a I'm sorry what did I say I'm no just, I said I'm moving too quick oh no no no, no you're fine <laughs> she, she's yeah, bringing we, us back we, yeah, yeah we we tend to be long winded this is no. <laughs> So, uh, so going from the old guard to the woman king, the old guard was clearly rated R. There was a lot more blood. The one thing that I noticed and I didn't know about until after I saw the movie was that it seemed like a lot of the battle scenes, while they were epic, they were more subdued than what you would normally see in a movie like this. Yep. It, it, from a CGI perspective or just a matter of, uh, you know, just of scale. But I think but going back and understanding that, that when they were filming these scenes in South Africa, that... The Omicron was hitting and that they she basically was kind of handcuffed she couldn't make the film that was really on paper oh. and so she had to so I think when one of the you know, when you see those those scenes a lot of the battle scenes are are done in fog and, and, and a lot of smoke with the, you right. know the whole when they dust do, being kicked yeah. up right yeah the whole uh, gunpowder in, in the explosion scenes right. so I think a lot of that was done out of necessity to the one one to the rating one to the trying to get PG-13 and get people into this into the theaters to see it and then also just she was just not able to make the film that she initially set out to make yeah. I wonder what that's like from the perspective of a director of something so out of your control having such control over your vision as a viewer I didn't I actually was like oh this is interesting because I'm so used to seeing battle scenes from the west perspective that seeing it from this perspective this is really cool this is different for me I like it yeah and I I like that they were smaller on scale yes because I don't imagine and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't imagine that these uh, that these tribal battles were giant battlefield right. affairs. I imagine that they were sort of pockets of groups going after other pockets of groups, right. and that's what I saw on screen. And so I really, I really like that. Right, um, that makes sense because I mean, thinking right historically, we know that it really was so many different tribes. Right, um, and it's not going to be mass cities, mass societies, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And I think from a director's standpoint, it's probably one of those things where you're never, ever truly done with a art, you know, an art project, right? You're always yes. looking for ways. But I think you can be happy with the end result, but you 
you, but you clearly have some sort of deadline that has to be to cut off. And I'm sure that it had she had years and years and years to stick to work on this. You know, you can see it with George Lucas and the Star Wars stuff. You never stop. You would never stop tinkering if you didn't move on to the next project. Yeah, Jerry Saltz, the art critic, said that you're not done with a piece of art until it leaves your hands, right? Whether that you turn it into the studio, right? You turn it into an editor, right? You you hang it on a gallery wall, or someone buys it from you, right? You're still always working on it in one way or another. Yeah. Okay, so this this film is set in 1820s in the Kingdom of Dahomey, which right. is present-day Benin, um, which is West Africa, and it's under, like, the curve. It's in the, I don't know what to call that. I know what you're t- it's one of the key places for trade with Portugal and everything. The film, the film centers on... Um, this this regiment of all female warriors, the Agoje. Is, is it Agoje? Is it Agoye? Is it? I, know, I may have said it wrong. No, I don't. I'm I don't actually know. so in reading and writing. I have been saying, say what you said, bro. Agoje. Agoje, but I've heard how you said it. Agoye, which is Agoye. Yes. And I think even in the film, they do the switch up of okay. depending on where you're coming from, you've said it differently. Interesting. Okay. Because I've heard both, and I know that even. And then, like, learning about them. I've heard professors say different okay. things, too. Well, most of us professors are wrong half the time. <laughs> I, mean, anyway, so. I mean, it was, like, the argument that when the first trailer dropped for this, people were like, those accents. And someone was like, we're never going to be historically accurate. Just right, so right, you understand right, that. Right. Well, and that's a bigger point of the film is mm-hmm. this or some of the discourse around the film is the historical accuracy let me just read the summary real fast just so okay. i think yeah, i think please. we're like yeah. um because in my head i keep wanting to do it anyway okay, do so, it. <laughs> so, the, so the film is set in 1820s dahomey um which is a west african kingdom state at this at this yes. time uh, it centers around the agoje and general naniska uh, played by Viola Davis uh, as she trains the next generation of fighters. And among them is Nawi, a girl who's been offered to the king in the Egoji by her father. Her father tries to marry her off and she's just not having it um, with anyone. Nawi forms a bond with Egoze, who is played by Lashana Lynch. She's kind of like a, what, a drill sergeant type? Would that be yeah. fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. But Although she's much more friendly than your typical, I mean, she kind of takes her under her wing right. and is yeah, much more becomes, encouraging her for, to her. Yeah, more of a mentor at yeah. that point as yeah. well. Yeah, right? she's not like Arlie Ermey or anything like that. No. <laughs> no, 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 there is no, there's no full metal jacket <laughs> moment. No Vincent D'Onofrio right. moment in, the, in this film. But now we and Naniska butt heads the entire time. So yeah, they're antagonistic toward each other. Mm-hmm. This whole time, Dahomey, the Agoje are battling the Oyo, who they're actually a tributary kingdom to. The Oyo was a bigger kind of empire. Right. For those at home, if you've seen Bugs Life, it's very much like that, yeah. where the ants have to give it up to the So crickets. this yes. is where I was going to go. I was going to sort of talk about this film through a critical lens of a Bugs Life. Good. Um, but you, <laughs> I mean, beat, but you mean, beat me too. <laughs> wonderful <laughs> but, lessons. But you beat Solid me too. animation. You beat me too. So they're battling the, the Oyo. They're also battling white slave traders. Right. They are battling the traditions in the Dahomey right. Kingdom. Um, so, so, so this fighting is being done by these, by this particular group of women. Um, the Dahomey Kingdom, along with other tribes, would go on war raids and capture people from other tribes to then sell into the slave mm-hmm. trade. Um, the Agoje like this needs to stop. And the king at the time, um, played by John Boyega, King Gezo, was like, well, at least we don't sell our own people anymore. Right. So they're fighting they're fighting that too. Naniska wants to move towards production of palm oil, 
as as an economic stability rather than rather than the slave trade. You've got what the the Portuguese, um, you know, for, you know, whose mother who was part Dahomey. Well, we've got this Portuguese Portuguese slave trader and his friend, his friend. Malik, whose mother was Dahomey. So Malik is half Dahomey, mm-hmm. and he's there to visit his homeland. He gets the hots for Nawi, and this okay. this comes up later. But the big thing there is that this slave trader is pressuring Gezo, pressuring Boyega to remain in the slave trade. Right. And he's like, look, one, it's made you rich. Two, I can't offer you protection if you don't if you don't do this. And and, and this brings up part of this question of why they're in the slave trade to begin with, because this is this is economic feasibility. This is right. this is the economy of the of of the time, which I don't I don't think we in the West understand no, how that's unless working. Unless you had Miss Goodman as a teacher. Unless you had me as a teacher, because we talk about right. this. It is very important, but it's not I know where you're going with this, so I'll let you finish your summary. The controversy, right? Like the oh, conversation, yeah. the like dynamic of people wanting more out of that. But I don't think I don't think we need more of Same. that in the film. I don't know. What do you because they I mean, they bring it up. It's it's there. It's always there. Right. But it doesn't have to be picked apart. It becomes part of political. Uh, it becomes part of the political intrigue in the film right. between um, Naniska and and one of King Gezo's wives. Correct. But it doesn't. It doesn't have to be again like this didactic moment of pulling it apart. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I, well, I think the 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 argument and the the this back you know whatever you however you want to characterize it if it's a backlash or not to kind of point out these historical inaccuracies the only person that is real in this movie is Boyega's character the king right everyone else is just a fictional character Correct. I I knew about it going in I but again then seeing it I think it presented it as as well as it could I don't necessarily right. know if the Agoye were or Agoje were truly you know, adamantly against the slave trade. They, they, this is true. This this is true. There was a there was a scholar that wrote about the Kingdom of Dahomey, and 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 so this is some of the stuff that he brings up: the idea that they were pushing to end this, in this type of slave trade. They were pushing to move to palm oil production uh, as well. So that that part is true, and 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 Gezo as well had stopped selling his own people, his own tribe members into slavery, but his brother before him had had been doing that. So so that stuff is is historically accurate. I, I never felt that the film actually presented itself as some sort of end-all, be-all, factual right. basis of what we're seeing here, where a lot of other films have done that. And I mean, again, I think a lot of the the online chatter is obviously done in bad faith. You see oh, it with, yes. yeah. you, you see it, you saw it with Hamilton. You see it with a bunch of other, like, uh, right. you know, pieces like this. It it doesn't. It's it's just made to detract. It, it's right. just and and, yeah. and and that's the only reason that it's there is to play this whataboutism that is nonsense to the storyline that's been that's actually being presented. But at no point does the story then say this is true and all these things are happened and it's all exactly. fact. It never even at the end. It's I mean it's it, this is a fictional story of a place that actually existed and one person that actually existed and then people that were like the ones that were seeing but again that story has been told over and over and over yeah. again not necessarily this particular story but you know I mean, right. but these types of stories have been yes. told over and over again we don't we don't pick them apart like this you're just looking for a reason to pick this apart that's what i kind of thought was you had to say something you felt like you had to be a critic about it here's what you'll go into this this film is not claiming to be your history teacher 
it truly is wanting to bring in the story of the lives mm-hmm. of these people and that everyday lives. And we got the what influences that from this film, but we didn't need to go into all the historical. And I actually think that they did a really good job of closing the circles on a lot of the storylines. I There might be some that kind of were left gaps, but overall, truly the only question I walked away with, which, oh, I would have loved to know, is how the healer, um, the her tall friend that you've already told me the name of, um, and yes, um, and the general, how they became so close um, over time, and because they had a bond that was truly unbreakable, um, and that was truly my only like, oh, I would have loved to know that story. Everything else, I thought that she did really well. Of good, I see this, I'm done. There will not be a sequel, and I'm okay with that kind of thing. Yeah. But I think it comes down to yeah. Somebody said, well, what some editor in some room was like can't be all good find something right. and then somebody wrote a think piece and my goodness here we are and, and it's just a bunch of online trolls too right it, I, and it's the Hopefully same people we'll screaming about CRT or critical race theory oh. because they don't fucking know what critical race which theory is, anyways and <laughs> <laughs> no I was gonna say which is why I actually find it so disappointing is because I do think it started in one area as such a critique because oh we don't want this and now I'm seeing black and indigenous and Latino writers and film critics pick up on it and it's like y'all that wasn't her goal when she set out to make this that wasn't anyone's goal when they were like how do we want to produce right make this who do we want to highlight it was we want to highlight the possibility of these powerful women and that they did exist and it starts the conversation right it doesn't have to be this again it doesn't have to be a full portrait it it, this movie shows you so many different things about just African society, showing how an, an environment that has been portrayed as backwards and violent and poor and dust and, 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 and all. And again, because it's become kind of the de facto bad guy when it's safe to have a certain bad guy mm-hmm. where, you know, in the 70s, it was just, you know, urban people were, you know, and you had all these like, you know, cops and things like that. And uh, you're talking like Robert Townsend's Hollywood Shuffle where, where black men sure. can only play yes, pimps. Yeah. And, you know, sure. and so you move from that when it becomes passe to to do that and, and, and you know, and not accept it. And then you move on to the Middle Eastern, which you saw in the 90s and early 2000s. And then that moves over to kind of these generic bad guys. But again, going back to this, this shows you a society that was progressive. Right. You know, the king had women on his council. He had eunuchs on his council. Whether those people were actually mm-hmm. homosexual or not doesn't really even ma- really matter. Right. But this shows you, and again, it's-, it's They this, weren't sneaking in the shadows. Right, absolutely. These were people that he trusted. And and, and so this, it, it puts a, shines a light on this idea that 2022, that we are the most progressive that mm. societies that have ever been, or that this exceptionalism of, you know, Western culture right. is- is you know where th- this is the pinnacle of what what of, of human evolution, which is clearly not the case, right? <laughs> and, 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 and we it, suck. And you see that, and you see, and again, it's it's disappointing, and we have to keep going back to it over and over again, and hopefully, but but I hope you know that we keep presenting these things because eventually, people these trolls will hopefully get tired and move on to something else. Because you're right. seeing it with House of the Dragon as well, you're, and you see it with Rings of Power as well, where the you 
have these people of color in these roles and everybody, well, trolls can't be like, fuck you. Come on. Right. These things don't actually right. exist. And again, it's, it's just, we saw it with Star Wars too. Right. right. Sure. We can't have an Asian oh, woman or Boyega or a black yeah. man playing this. I think that this film, I think that the woman King does a better job of any other film of reckoning with a, with an aspect of a kingdom, country, continent's history than anything that's been produced in this country about slavery or racism. Largely because you didn't have the white saviorism playing. Right, right. It truly was that human conversation, the what is best for our king. Like, you got to see it from different levels of how it all was being approached, why, which goes back to what you said, the economy. Like, at the end of the day, society's changing. We're going to have to, but how do we navigate in this? And I think that is really what made the difference of the reality of it, Right. And, and a big part of this movie is you need to listen to women. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and I, and I <laughs> we chuckle, but I think yeah. that that's a real thing. I yeah. think that something about this film is that it, it, at the end of the day, the king, a man, is going to make this final decree, but he's getting it from a woman. Right. And and I think that's Prince Bidewood understanding that the patriarchy still is reigning in in, in right. this western world and it's still you, you can't ignore it however much you want to destroy it it's still there. But she can show that you know what the real fucking ideas are coming from over here yeah. and you need to listen to women when they're speaking when they're speaking up and when they're speaking so powerfully. Well, and her internal struggle as well because I mean she has that internal battle the entire time. Obviously, yes. she comes from a place of great tragedy and horror that that happened to her. Right. So she has to give up, you know, spoiler alert, has to give up her daughter, but then also has to to struggle with this idea of one being a stoic uh, leader for her Mm -hmm. troops and then also then uh, balancing it out with leave no person behind, you know, and, and, and then going against her own king when, when that's on the line, that, that whole struggle of her whole journey through this film, even though she kind of maintains this brave face and kind of stoic face throughout the, throughout throughout all of it is, I mean, Viola, can we just say Viola Davis? Oh my God. She's so good. And you know, her eye work, the acting she does with just her eyes and face is incredible. I have never seen someone look so kind of world weird in a role and do it so well. I mean, I was like, she is tired, y'all. Like, is- bone tired. <laughs> Her soul is ready to lay down and she conveyed that well. Um, I, I, Every single person, again, I was like, gosh, oh. everybody was made for this part, including even just going off to uh, the wife who kept contradicting her. Yeah, yeah. she was she fantastic. She well. Oh, no, everybody, Lashana Lynch was amazing. Yes. I love her actually as oh, oh my gosh I've been following her since Starcross shout out to we tried to do <laughs> Romeo and Juliet uh, but again kind of showing what you were kind of talking about with they tr- this thing in Hollywood where we'll just drop a bunch of people who are diverse into something that is traditionally a story everybody can relate to and that's creating even more of an issue because it's not inclusive and it's just not done intentionally like we saw here where every single because I I didn't read the synopsis before I just was like Viola Davis isn't it cool and and I was very surprised by every element the daughter but also the young man I was like I love that part that they brought this young man in to show just the 
the generational trauma of the slave trade, but also this reckoning that a lot of, because you you just, you really did have so much um, interrelationships occurring and people who were put in different places, especially in places of caste systems. So he was going to have to have that, navigate that, but also, again, to show time is changing. They would not have 50 years before interacted with somebody like him. True. Kind of thing. Okay. We've touched on it a couple of times, but I want to talk about Viola Davis giving up her child. Oh, yeah. Not in real life, in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, to clarify. So, so, so we Breaking get, news. We, <laughs> we get we this moment. We have found Viola Davis' <laughs> child. <laughs> this is what this podcast was, was, yes. was created for in the first place. We get this moment of recognition between her and Oba, who's this Oyo general, this kind of a big bad in, yeah. in the film. And we learn that... Uh, Earlier in her life, Philo Davis was captured and held captive by Oba and others and repeatedly abused, repeatedly raped. She escaped, later found out she was pregnant, and then she had to give up, get rid of that child. She asked her friend to sort of, or, you know, get rid of him. She gives it to some missionaries or people passing by, and that's it. Then we see Nawi going through this final test, crawling through the thorns, and and having to have those thorns pulled out and Viola Davis is like, make sure you, you know, get all of these and put oil on these scars and even this one, which turns out mm-hmm. was a place that Viola Davis put a piece of a shark tooth under the skin of her of her baby that she gave away. That, and then now we that's what hospitals do, right? The, when you yes. give up your baby, they put something. It's a marker. You like well, have to choose. Well, it's, a, like, it's like a microchip for your dog. <laughs> like you, they give you like a thing to choose from, like a different type of trinket and make sure you choose the right one. And then they put it in your baby's shoulder. Right. Just so in case. I'm about to be like, why is, why this? Yeah. Well, okay. I was, so here's the thing. It comes, it comes out of nowhere. That's what bugs me is that oh. it just like comes out of nowhere. Like all of a, all of a sudden you see this, this thing like, oh, this has to be the child that I put this shark tooth thing. We get no, from a storytelling standpoint, we get no oh, inclination no. this I is coming. I definitely already. This is, but this is a very much like, you know, deus ex machina moment. It's like, how do we solve this here? I'll pick this up and I'll put it over here. And now it's fixed. We find out that Nami was adopted. She right. says, oh, I was adopted. But she says it like right then. I, all we had to all we had to have was her father, her adoptive father, saying, "You'll never marry any of these men. I don't know why I adopted you in the first place." And I would have been like, "Oh, okay. I'm waiting for this to happen oh. now." But there's no there's no indication. There's no kind of. I mean, yes, from a Hollywood storytelling standpoint, you understand no, that's going to it happen. Wasn't that that made me know that it was going to happen. But this is interesting. Finish. finish. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I just I just think it's sort of like. A, a, a cheap trick where that where none of the work is done beforehand yeah. to let us know that this is this is coming, oh. or or to even look back and go, oh, I see where the hints were or where the because okay. all we see is the two of them like butting heads, and I I get it, but also she didn't have to be her daughter for them to form a kind of close bond. Interesting. I want to hear your thoughts before I share mine. No, no, no. So mine are going to be outside of the film. So let me hear yours first and then I'll give, <laughs> I'll give you the reason why this is in the story afterwards. But oh, yeah, okay. So. Okay. So I thought of it in the sense of why I thought the love story was in there too, right? A love story to black women of the sense that especially in modern society, we can't be mothers, powerful and lovers. And okay. we knew from the beginning that you could not be one of these women 
and have a family, have a child, have a, that's what really leads back. And we have this person who's having this reckoning and we see it kind of in the mentor relationship of the necessity for you are working so hard for this kingdom to survive and to have this relationship with your king. And you know, you see in this young girl, this next generation of possible, this is you. And even in those moments where she kept saying, you don't know my life story, you don't really know me, you're not taking the time to get to know me, that's because she's become so hardened to all the things that make her a good general, which is that maternalistic, that caregiver, the sage, the things that, especially in Western society, have, you know, put women in the kitchen, pregnant, and history's just a bag of dicks kind of thing. Um, and so you don't have that here. And that's why I was told, Shasta and I both were like, we knew this. We're glad that they solved it. We just didn't like the timing of it, if that makes sense. Well, and I, it was but the I think, only thing. I, th- I think that we can ag- agree on that aspect, that the, that the timing yeah. Yeah, just didn't work. <laughs> I, I wonder, and, and that makes perfect sense especially from more of like a sociological standpoint yeah. as well of what of what I think or even a phenomenological experiential um, lens that what I love when you use back words oh, like sorry. <laughs> <laughs> of what you're bringing to the film versus what I'm bringing to right. the film which is clearly different right and, and I'm talking and about it from like it, yeah. a nuts and bolts kind yeah. of like well this is storytelling yes. and you're bringing that other aspect which is fantastic and I wonder though like would it have been even stronger if <clears throat> They still form this connection, but it wasn't her daughter. Naniska Viola Davis understanding that that what makes her good is this maternal instinct, but it that doesn't have to mean that anyone is her daughter. I could see what you're saying, and yet I think there is such in the black community the dynamic of black moms and black daughters is to quote my Angelou to describe my mother is to describe the eye of a tornado. And that's how I talk about my mom. I love her, but we are truly nothing but a hurricane. And largely, a lot of that has to do with societal expectations, generational trauma that we're both working on. And you see that across. And so that's why I think she did the physicality. Do I think that it's possible and that it was probably already there and the the um, drill sergeant that became the mentor. We know that Viola Davis's character has already done this mentorship and this maternalistic thing. You see it in the community she's created. So that's why I say I think that's why it became so this is my child. And even I, with the tooth, even though I'm like the timing of it, the tooth, <laughs> I definitely look at it as a like, it's the thing of, again, going back to my personal relationship, up until what, I'm 34, up until maybe two years ago, my mother always said my Devon. I belong to her. I am hers. And that is very much a black mom, black daughter thing is at the end of the day, you are mine child of my womb kind of thing. That's why, but I see what you're saying. And I think we agree with, again, the just like, how would this, there are other ways it could have unfolded. Cause I, I do say, I was like, Oh, I already know that this is your daughter, by the way, this is going down. But why there were moments where I was like, this is just anticlimactic kind of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you Your guys thoughts. are both wrong, but that's fine. Okay. Wow. <laughs> one, I think I there's think only three of us in here, and two of us agree, and one doesn't. So, um, I know this isn't a fucking democracy. No. Clearly, I, by I, the way, I, I'm talking. <laughs> I mean, I think the message that we should be taking away from this is that when you give your daughter up, you make sure that you give her up, and your number two gives her up and puts her far, far away, and that she right. never few, comes back to fun. Right. <laughs> right. We've all read Oedipus. Things come yes. into haunt you. Yes. Right. We yeah. all know that. Right. <laughs> yeah. You make sure that kid goes away. Right. <laughs> this is like a league of her own kind of scenario where your little sister is actually going to end up playing against the team that you play against and she's going to win the championship because you're going to feel like you have to give it up, right? Guilt. That's what inspired them. Guilt. So, but I, but I think, I, I think that it wouldn't, I agree with you, Devin. I don't think it would have been as powerful if it wasn't, that, that mother-daughter relationship wasn't there. I, I do believe that it is kind of a, a Hollywoodization of the story. Yes. But I think it adds such an emotional throughput because at that point, if, if that's not there, then Viola Davis's character is just a general, and and yes, she has a bunch of daughters, but she has no real. St- I mean, so I right. think it adds a adds a layer to the story that brings an emotional gravitas back and kind of and 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 adds a level that that gives especially the female. And again, I hope, I hope I'm not like dismissive when I say that, but like it's the, the the female audience, right? Yeah, to, uh, an emotional bond to to the film, right? And, and this is a this is a throughput through in Gina's movies as well. So she was an adopted kid. Um, oh. So this. This is pretty. This explains a lot about Old Guard, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. So that whole mother-daughter kind of scenario, yes. Old Guard is where as well. And so you see the mother-daughter dynamic in Love and Basketball. Oh right. yes, yeah. yes, yeah. very yeah. much. You're correct. So this clearly is, and again, and why you can see that this is made from a female perspective is, is that the movie had it been made by a male director mm. would have ended on she's the woman king and roll credits cut right. cut to black but then you have another scene where they're mourning their dead and, and they're and they're speaking right. to them that that sensibility is all Gina and, and and I think again so to that point of I, I have a tendency to be jaded in, in, in a lot of senses mm-hmm. in regards to those types of but I think it all played really really well and yes. what I see over and through her films just in general is like Love and Basketball is not a film that was made for me at all but I can see how it, it, it was it's just so well done it's so yes, well it's put together classic, the story it's a black yeah. classic yes. it's right and, but and it's, it's also but it's also a classic of somebody like me who played basketball all the time true. growing up and the soundtrack in that it's film very, was like the yes. soundtrack to my sixth or seventh grade I mean this was stuff that I mean I, when Digital Underground came on at that party I was like <laughs> I was singing along to Shock G, R.I.P., right? Shock G's verses, and then switching over to Money Beat. I mean, I knew all this stuff because that's what I was into. So, so no, it's not for quote unquote us, but but well, but just like this, and 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 this is I, I I love the tension that like the daughter brings to the film. I think oh that's great. I just have a problem with how he got. There. And let me clarify, that's I don't mean like white male audiences. That's not what I'm saying at all. It was just uh, oh, of the, of the time a, that a, I, a non basketball playing <laughs> person who's never been yeah. in love. Who was like, oh, I'm excited for Sanaa Than to have another movie come out. Right. It was a very specific audience. Um, I get that's what you're saying. <laughs> well, and again, I'm just, uh, you know, just not typically a rom-com fan. I, although I, I it, but. <laughs> you call it a rom-com? It is. Yeah, Wait, it's a rom-com. Love and basketball? I wouldn't say yeah. necessarily. It's, it's, it's a rom-com. Yeah. It's considered in like black film genre, right? Love and Basketball, Love Jones, um, and a thin line between love and hate. Sure, no, no, I get, I guess I get the, I get the rom part, but. 
the comedy? I, I didn't find Love and Basketball that it's funny. It's not necessarily. No, no, it's lighthearted. But I mean, I wasn't. I guess I think of a specific thing when I think of rom com, and uh, and this is not what I sort of like put in. So so romantic, yes. But I mean, I still think it's a a a drama more than a comedy. Coming of age. Yeah, definitely yeah, a coming of that. age. Of Bill Dungerman, right? I mean, it's uh, it's these two people I, growing up, and I just interesting because I, I had a. Yeah. I'm gonna lie. But, we watched it together. I had a lot of laugh out loud. Uh, I mean, I had a lot of fun. I loved watching that that movie. I have a good time watching it. I'm just not. I'm For not the, laughing in that way that the can you give me your definition of like an example of a rom-com i'm very interested now also because do you watch rom no okay. no I, I i don't but i mean well, i guess you know i show us be, your sandy b tattoo I guess. yeah i think it's a term I, that's left over from back when you had the actual rom-coms like you had the i'm i love um it's the one Rock Hudson and Doris Day, right? All of their oh, little sure. films that they did together. Sure. Pillow, tech, Pillow Talk. Mm -hmm. And then you would still technically classify um, Julia Roberts, anything she's done as a rom-com, but it's actually not that funny. So maybe that's what it is. It's, but like My Best Friend's Wedding is yeah. a rom-com. Got almost anything besides when, when Harry in the Sally. cut. I mean, Harry Met yeah. Sally's when Harry Met Sally is sort of. I think what we end up is sort of what the the, the apotheosis yeah. of of rom com. But yeah, I don't. I don't really watch those. I mean, Kate and Leopold. That, that's that's a joke. That's a shitty movie. I was going to um, say. I think, that, did that, you watch that? that? No, no. <laughs> I mean, I think I tried. You know. <laughs> I think I tried. I had a girlfriend in high school who loved rom coms, and that's I just got stuck watching that shit. Like, gotcha. Over and over, you know? uh, but women, the woman king, woman king was not a rom com. <laughs> no, no, definitely no. Um, but I do see what you're saying. Of like, I like that thread. Actually, I like when I go back to a director and I can see the connections. Mm -hmm. So that definitely deepens the understanding for me. And I just. I get it just it, it hits different right everything can be for everyone but it is going to interact with every in each individual differently kind of thing um I like that though and also I was going to say the ending with the ancestral and I also think that was part of the reason why I had to be right her daughter physically her daughter um, biologically her daughter because we noticed that the the time where we're starting to be like oh yeah this is probably her daughter or something's up with this young girl that's come is when she's doing her prayers to the ancestors and I think that's another thing that the director's kind of trying to sink in is that reminder right of culturally she is that her that young lady's ancestor she might not recognize it yet right but that blood is calling right now and then you see at the end that's when they really have their moment but i did love the like will you dance with me mom kind of yeah thing, our yeah and yeah. I, I said i i think you know and going with my wife that was one of the things where like kind of like and it, and, and she's not as steeped in just watching everything that ever comes out so <laughs> she like again I, I get jaded by certain things and you can see things coming down main street mile away right but this sounds dismissive, but for your average moviegoer, for that type of emotional beat to be there, I think plays really well. And it's and I don't I, I didn't think it was was it too heavy handed. Eh, I don't know. I think you get kind of lost in the moment, and it doesn't it doesn't. I mean, I can I, see what you're saying. I think the other thread going back to I'm interested because you you said you liked the love story. One of the things that Brock and I didn't care for, and again, <laughs> was because that that to me was the shoehorned element of the story. Right. Was this? And I I understand. Like studio notes. Well, I understand. 
understand from a perspective of the character development where this girl, if there is this woman, if there is a sequel to this story, then it's her story. Right. right. And her then trying to transform the Goje to be something a little bit more modern, a little Do bit less think? repressive. Oh. Where and again, I don't know if historically that's probably right. not at all the case. No, but, but, I get but, but fictionally, what I would do cinema, if yeah. I'm writing the story is taking the Goje to the next level where they then can become actual mothers and they can become, okay. you know, a, they can expand upon their their lives that are just stuck in this kind of male dominated world in a male dominated construct of being these soldiers first who can't be seen as anything else. And I, so I, I understand from a storytelling perspective, I just didn't feel like in the sense of the movie, you know, and again, tacking on an additional 15 minutes, if I was going to cut it, that would have been, the, that that would have been, been the emotional thread that I would have cut. Gotta go. One, because I didn't really feel like his character was that great. I didn't feel like the friend. I, I, mean, I thought it was the actor. Yeah, it could have yeah. been for sure. For me, I think it's a combination of both. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think he's meant to sort of stand in or represent a kind of uh, guilt or a kind of different kind Ooh. of conscientious. He's coming back, and he's coming back with a slave trader. Oh, oh! I didn't think guilt. I thought again that like ancestral. His blood has been calling him home. Kind but of also, thing. he's like literally involved, right. and and then he comes back and he's sort of looking around and you're like and, and then he, by the end of it he's like wait yes this is all bad <laughs> and and, right. and yeah. I'm going to give up this like why well, gotta get killed by these slaves we just freed I think it's that mindset well one we have the perspective of and he did have it right he understood that like what you think you're sending them to is not what they're going to kind right. of thing right. especially in Portugal but I think for him that is the sheltered right just life that's what I I kind of gathered from him as a character I really for me the lackluster was the actor no shade got <laughs> just <laughs> sir it wasn't it um, the minute though that they were walking and he wandered on off into the water I was like oh lord here comes the love story <laughs> right, uh, right. <laughs> but again like you can just see it yes. coming and I think you just wonder like why the what is this yes. adding what kind of texture is this adding here I saw it as the fact like what I got, like what you I said, said right. the lover, and I even I I don't think that in the next generation she would be more progressive. I think she would honor the code because she she chose, um, and she chose her family. Um, I think it had to be an outsider because. Everybody knew, right? They don't marry. So there's not going to be some man in the village who's going to be foolish enough to fall in love with one of them. And not somebody in the castle, not one of the other mill warriors. It had to be an outsider who was just dumb enough. And bless his heart, it was him. And He's so pretty but stupid. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he really I, thought he was going to get a kiss kind of thing. <laughs> I, I, think, I think this is a, a really interesting aspect of of these women that they can't marry, they can't have or seem to have any kind of romantic or sexual relationship with with a man. And and I wonder if if that is repressive or if it's them saying we don't need this. We we yeah. we occupy a place of privilege in this society. We have the king's ear, at least you know, those of us at a, of, of a higher echelon. And we don't need any of this. We can be strong, we can be independent, we can be respected without that kind of construct of of, of having a male partner. I also, and we talked about this last time with Let the Right One In, I also wonder about 
how this works with kind of a, a queering of the narrative too. Like, yeah. what is this saying about like, no, you know, we, <laughs> cause you can read into this right. that any kind of sexual relationship happens then in, in, in right. between them. And this would set them apart even further as, as others in a sort of right. heteronormative, you know, society, no matter how progressive or how progressive it's, it's sort of um, displayed or portrayed on, on the screen. I don't know. I, Probably went first of all, right? We know that gender and queer roles mm. were very much a Western. Um, and the way that I thought of it was this: these are your sisters, but there's a possibility, but it's not also norm. Also, like, I don't know. They did not sell the believability to me that these women were not finding somebody in the bushes. Whatever. Right, right. <laughs> like, I just, hey, it might have been quiet, but it was happening. But even that somebody in the bushes were the, was that between themselves? I think so. I think I mean, it was right. everybody. I think right. it was just the fact that I took it from a different perspective of you can't have anything that would make you care beyond the king's biddings beyond the you are for and always this community and that is at the end that is your center that is your whole thing that consumes you and if you have somebody that you're married to they can easily be kidnapped and used against you if you have a family if you have a child we saw the dynamic of her with a child it became where she truly she'd been working for this her whole entire like she gave the young girl up so that she could come back and be this role and then what does she do she disobeyed the king's orders and went back to get her because you now have somebody who you care for that can be used against you, but also you're just willing to sacrifice everything for. And I thought that was why the line exists. Because, yeah, at no point did I ever believe. I'm like, no, they probably got all sorts of babies sitting in some missionary places. <laughs> just, it is kept quiet kind of thing. But, you know, I don't know. There's <laughs> only so many just, shark teeth to go around. Yeah. That, that is, yeah. But they all, have, they all have their own necklace, so I think they could probably share it between, yeah, between each other. <laughs> <laughs> Terribly unsanitary practice as well. Like, that can't have. Uh, um, Oddly I'm, enough, I really did. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, there wasn't an infection. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because that shark tooth had. How many battles was that thing? Right. In it? right like, yeah. What was, how, what was she carrying that in? That was, oh. She didn't disinfect yeah. that at all. It right? wasn't like even just like a. <laughs> yeah. No, alcohol. I really did. I was. <laughs> I'm not sure how she even closed the wound afterwards. Yes. I'm not. <laughs> thought of that too how yes the 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 little details i was like how do your friend come back and not be like what happened to the baby's arm kind of thing or a missionary not be like and no one in her 18 years of life where she's like what the hell this is like i've got like a bone spur chip here what's going on here things happen found me this way thoughts on like on the on the dynamic. yeah i i get the the kind of jedi aspect of of these like uh, of the of the purity of of this you know and again to Wait, that, to are that jedis not allowed to no jedis can't have sex they're like oh. monastic kind of oh. ascetics. yeah they're yeah they're basically ascetic they're basically kind of. samurai monks essentially oh yeah. okay interesting one of the uh theories online was that kenobi was luke or was Darth Vader's father at one point because he, because Kenobi was kind of the um, the Burt Reynolds of Jedi oh. <laughs> and probably was young and came around and, and Burt Reynolds <laughs> just yeah. you know you know how the epitome of sexiness is Burt Reynolds 
I mean, there's a whole Golden Girls episode around this. So, yeah. <laughs> Name me one man in the history of men who's ever no. been sexier than Burt Reynolds. No, I... I Paul McDonald doing an impression of Burt Reynolds. Also, <laughs> as you're saying this, I'm like, I visualized him coming out of the car. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so, yeah, you're right. But also... Interesting. <laughs> no, I was, like, my mind is blown in all sorts of directions, but I really am like, I did not know that about Jedis. And there are a lot of people running around wanting to be Jedis. Yeah, so this yeah, is very can. interesting mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, and, and kids, what's really kind of crazy about all that is kids were then plucked out to be, you had to be identified as a Jedi as a young kid. Um, and so your entire life was spent training and then just going to this religious order that kept you as you were kind of these peacekeepers and cops of the entire gal- you know, galaxy. Interesting. Yeah, it's a hard life. Also, because in... Which is why you would understand why some of them would go bad. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that in American society, they definitely are not going good. <laughs> right. No, 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 no. So, okay. But, but maybe... Maybe cops should be aesthetic rather than like being giving given all this yeah. funding. I firmly believe that. <laughs> yeah, so, so see, to, to, to fund the police was just like this call for like monastic asceticism rather than what people yes. thought it was. Yes, which that's a lot to unwrap, but sure. Yeah. I think you're hitting on something though of this trend though across understanding that protectors. I don't know have to stay pure or something. Yeah, I definitely like the idea of, of them having, you know, nothing being, it, you know, nothing being used against them. There's right. no emotional attachment that yeah. would allow them to to cause them to question what they're doing. Even their own vulnerability, their own mortality, where they would just go into battle. And and, and you see it, too, when they when they do go into battle, is that there is a brief, a brief period of mourning, but they lose their fellow soldiers. And, you know, there's not much hand-wringing or emotion because that's what they were intended <clears throat> To do. Oh, you just clicked something for me. That's why they have to go through the thorn bush. But also, that is why it's so important to see her when she goes through to go back for her friend. Right, because no that one else would mental, have done that. no one's left behind, but we see her then do it again when her mentor is just like defeated. And I, that one I thought was a really good adding that in for storytelling of seeing this just warrior, fierce woman, who the minute that she is, for lack of a better term, conquered, is done. There is no hope. And then we have this young lady who doesn't leave anybody behind. Well, and her mom doesn't either, right? Right. I mean, so Very they, true. Despite nice everything she says when they, because there's that one moment where, where Oba demands you know, 20 Agoje right. tribute right. and she goes, okay. And she counts off whom, but then it's this, you know, plot and yeah. they all kind of turn and yeah, in, in, in defiance of, well of that order. I did like that. Yeah. That it was, was a good. cool scene. That was good. Yeah. You know, the one interesting thing about, about Agoze the the mentor the drill sergeant right we've seen this character in, in every sort of war mm-hmm. movie I mean again you see her in the beginning and you're like I know what's going to yeah. happen to you at the end I don't know how but I know sort of your yeah, fate by the end of this movie no exactly that's what I was going to well, say she's it's still fucking got, amazing oh she's yes. so good Lashana Lynch is <laughs> yes. brilliant she is a yeah. really good actress like I yeah, really yeah. do I love that in her youth she had the opportunity to team up with Viola Davis and I look forward to them revisiting that in some film sometime oh, yeah. later on yeah. like 10 years down the road but despite any of these like perceived tropes they just work and I think that's the I mean any kind of war movie has these characters no matter how good it is but but the best films that doesn't get in the way 
And that's what, well, and that's it, doesn't, what I really it, does, it doesn't pop out at you, right? It, right. Does, it doesn't take you out of the right. film where you're no. going, okay, well, this is a thing that they just shoved in here because this is a, it's a storytelling technique that I needed to move from point A to point mm-hmm. B. This all seemed, I mean, it was just all really so well told and well done that, again, you were just immersed in this, to the point, again, like I said before at the beginning of this, you you didn't have to have, you got you had a crawl at the beginning to kind of set you up, set the stage mm-hmm. of where you were, and that was it. And everything else was, you are just just you know it is just presented to you right and it is this this is just another story just like 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 i said before like any other story you would have seen told a hundred different times right it the only difference is is the pigment of skin and the and the orientation and and, and gender of the of the people that are that are fighting so and the quality of the of the storytelling right yes Yeah, I also just realized the point that y'all were really probably over the romance was <laughs> after her mentor dies, and she then goes up to the room and is like resting. Well, she, and, and, and she we know that's she's, not going to be her mindset. She's saved right, by right. this guy. Yes, and, yeah. And I didn't need to see yeah. that. I didn't need. I mean, it just yes. it just didn't need to be there. I get that. And how interesting because I saw the other side is I the moment when that actual like the Portuguese men man was like hey you could be up here so you need to stop like that statement I was like oh that's also why he's here yeah but I could very much see the annoyance of like he did end up rescuing someone who we know needs no rescuing she's just in a moment of vulnerability right and we know she would have recovered and then gone right back out there kind of thing yeah it did seem like a, a moment of weakness from a character who had not shown really any weakness at all. And again, that's fine. Right. It just, but from a perspective of it, where in the heat of the battle, when she's gone through so much at this point, Mm -hmm. I mean, so, because again, if I were looking at that, it, that love story seems like more of a matter of defiance than more a matter of need. Yes. Right. So if she was, I could definitely see her middle of the story talking about where the, where the, you know, the, the exposition was, or, you know, where the the reveal was made in the movie that makes sense to me before the big trial where she goes off and has sex with this guy or has a relationship with this guy and then realizes that she truly needs to be back with, with, with her true purpose. But she also wanted to, to push back and to find some agency of her own in in this kind of mindless vehicle that she's found herself in. Right. I definitely was like, oh, this teenage rebellion. <laughs> we do not have time for this right now. Well, and you see some of that, too. At the very beginning, it, you know, when she's talking with her friends, there's not a huge reluctance to get married. It's only when she finds out who she's being mm-hmm. promised to that she truly is like, fuck this. I'm not going right. to be, I'm not going to sit there and get beaten by this guy for the rest of my life and, and just be his, I mean, really just be his slave, you know. And so she she fights back. But when she's talking with her friends, they're all kind of egging her on and she's kind of smiling demurely and and doesn't know what, you know, you know who is being, who she's being betrothed to. Right. But once she finds out, obviously it turns south. And it's a statement of agency. Right. Yeah. She's saying like, if, oh, if yeah. someone's going to decide, it's going to be me yeah. and I'm not going off with just anyone, especially this dude. Right. right. Which again, for those with the romance, you're like, 
that person would not make the decision that was made later on to just go to lay down in this nice comfortable room knowing like she would be very concerned about even what's happening to the body kind of thing right so we assume that they have yeah. relations, right? Right. I mean, that she, that she knocked Again, it out. I think I've been experienced. <laughs> None of them are honoring this code. <laughs> because you can make the argument that she didn't, right? That she was just using it as a place to, to hide and 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 that yep. and also to recoup. I mean, to recover, right? Yeah. Like, where she's like she's been injured. She was just in a battle. She just got captured. Yeah. Right. She just tried to escape. Got beat up again. Watched her friend get yes. killed right in front of her because she couldn't run fast enough to keep up. <laughs> so yes, yes, we could make that argument that I'm. Choosing to to I, see it that way. Right? I like it that way. <laughs> I do. I just well, you know, see, the way that I would have made the movie though is then you show her in like the mid credits end scene of her buying a bunch of shark teeth because she's <laughs> she's clearly got to give up this daughter yeah. for a woman king too. <laughs> I just I thought we were gonna get sort of a musical montage of like take my breath away right? <laughs> after that. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, a very Terminator a Terminator experience, right? Where we get your hand clasping. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that, that top gun like shadow. Yeah. Right, yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Although speaking of the death, I was really excited <laughs> to see the um healer's response to her best friend um outside of the general being killed. Um the really tall lady, I apologize, but when she got that metal <laughs> yeah, yeah, when she got that metal chain, I was like, somebody is about to die very brutally. And it's only because of the choices you made. I, 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 the minute she knew that, that she was dead, I was like, oh, she's about to just unleash. And she did. Aminza. I keep saying Aminza. her name wrong. It's Aminza. Aminza? I'm sorry. Okay. I, I apologize. There's a lot of A's entire, happening. Yeah, there's a lot of vowels in this yes. movie. That, that uh, And Dahomey is a hard name for me not to kind of giggle at a little bit. I, I mean, <laughs> just because I feel like it's in living color and it's Dahomey okay. to climb. That's oh. where I was... When you said that, that's exactly what I thought was in living color. I'm childish. I get that, and I apologize. But, (laughs) but yeah. The homie to clown. (laughs) (laughs) Which I feel like there's at least one person on set who made that joke. Oh, for sure. Right. Yes. One person. (laughs) It's not actually Damon Wayans who might have just showed up for some reason. Hey, I was a lot over, guys. Just wanted to make you giggle because you're kind of doing something serious. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good time. Everyone's saying. Everyone's being too serious. Yes. Yes. Which Which I've heard their training was like intense. That and knowing that she was an athlete, but also her history of just she is very much the body is going to show up how it should kind of thing. Um, I was not surprised, but also when they were going through it, I was like, oh, y'all were dedicated yeah. to this. Good yeah, job. No, and, and they were, and I love, again, like, I, I love that they, did, they didn't hide any of these bodies. So, you know, again, Philo Davis is in her 50s. She's not going to be super ripped. Oh, and, and you wouldn't and, have and been and in this scenario anyway, exactly, right? I mean, you right. wouldn't have been. But you can see in a lesser shredding. film, in right. a lesser film, they hide things. They they, right. they don't show the full body, right? They make Nature. sure to cover this. They portray her as younger than she is. And that's what I what I really appreciate. Is they, they didn't do any of that. And, and and she is, again, like so good at showing the body. I love in basketball is another one where mm-hmm. you believe that these, <laughs> that, that, that Santa Lathan and Omar yes. Epps 
can can ball a little bit at least. Omar Epps' jumper has some weird mechanics, but but he was you know, but no, but but, but he's he is athletic. He yeah. can move, and that's and and that's important. I think she understands how important that is yeah. to the films that she's making. And I actually even noticed it's interesting you bring it up the fact that we got so many full body shots, um, and the way that what they wore was not to accentuate curves, but because these women were just built, mm-hmm. they we're going to see actual muscle. We're going to see the strength of them. I told Shasta then, I was like, man, fuck colonization, because I would have definitely been one of them. Like, <laughs> I would, I'm small, I'm stout, I'm quick and muscular. I would have been one of them. Um, and she was like, yeah, actually. Yeah, I see that. yeah. Yes. that's great. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that that's the message to take away from Yeah, <laughs> that is it. Colonization, I could have been much. in the coach. Yeah. But I mean, I, my parents went and saw it the same weekend I did and they were like, it was good. And my dad was like, I didn't know what to expect. I will say just, he did agree with y'all. He was like, I don't like the love story. What was going on? (laughs) Um, But definitely they were both like, it was well done. And I think that now there's the turnout for it. Like we saw it with Wakanda, the good turnout, like this had good turnout and across different types of audiences. It appealed to a lot of people. So I'm excited to see what we start seeing next that are stories that are not focused on this just trauma but the experience of the people and what they lived kind of thing i'm excited to see too what because this is not a superhero movie either (laughs) and they are they're pointedly not super heroic in the film and i and i would love to see more than just Black Panther and Wakanda yeah. Forever yeah. De- de- depicted. Yeah, that's true when you think of it. I mean, it's, I think it's that thing, right? Like right now, you're just kind of getting Tyler Perry, um, some Marvel movies, and occasionally one of these that are differentiating. And I even I thought about it when I saw the uh, trailer response for Wakanda, the second, is it Wakanda, Wakanda Forever? Forever? Wakanda yeah. Forever. Yeah, and um, the Latino community um, being like, thank you, specifically mm-hmm. indigenous, Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Like, like, thank you so much for the representation um, that we're already seeing in this trailer. And I was like, yeah, because, dang, y'all are getting films cut left and right, TV shows. Like, it is really dry out here. Yeah. Yeah. There's capitalism for you. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, what are you going to do? I mean, well, again, but, I, again, but we, I agree we, with you, though. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I, I, think this, I think this gets a wide release because of Black Panther. I think, and I, I think because of Suicide Squad to a lesser, which is weird because oh, it's kind yeah. of based on. But, but I also so. think because of, like, Creed. Sure, oh, that, sure. That is, I right. forget that that is, it's not something that's ever appealed to me, but you are right. That has yeah. a following. That has been done well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, Creed 3 actually looks pretty good. I'll be honest. I, I mean, I like, but those movies are so like formulaic and perfect. Right. Like they do that thing so well. Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible. I mean, to not like the Rocky and Creed movies. It's right. just, it's just, it's so easy to get caught up in that storyline. And again, if it's done well and you, and you, and you, and you connect with that character, then all of the little things you're usually yeah. willing to forgive. Yeah. Like Cold War narratives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> although to be, I mean, like when Rocky four came out, that was at the height of like 
of just, I mean, and again, you can make the <laughs> yes. argument where we are now, but <laughs> right. the height of like American exceptionalism yes. and, and like you said, that Cold War dynamic where we're just coming kind of, kind of off of it. But like this idea that, you know, because we're like, we're Billy Joel is going over to, you know, and this it's right. the same particular Glass point nosed. in time. Yeah. It, this turning of the big bad to become this, we're all one. That, fuck, if, that, if, that message is awesome. If we, I'm can, not, get, if we can get along. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's hokey as shit, but it works, man. It, look, only time that Rocky didn't work was Rocky Five, and that was just because you took all you couldn't think of anything else to do with him. Even Balboa was fine. I mean, like all those movies are fine, oh, but I think a lot of people came back around. You're right, with right, Balboa. I guess with Creed, first of all, I answer your question. A man better than Burt Reynolds, uh, Michael B. <laughs> Michael Jordan. Jordan. But okay. Okay. also, I think with it, you're right though. It has a, it's got a story to it, and but I can't think of anything else as y'all are talking. Like I'm really over here. Like there are things that have come out that there's a little here, and the I even thought about the harder they fall. They oh, came sure. off on Netflix, sure. but they had the same thing, and I think they created the issue though, which was we're historical. But also, we're just going to kind of take a couple of allowances. And so people came out and were like, what in the world is this? We already don't know the stories of these real people. And now you've done this. And so some people were probably already coming into the Woman King prepared to do the right. same thing. Sure, sure. And I wonder about, I mean, I, it, it seems to me that, that, that I guess many of the black artworks, black mm-hmm. film, black TV shows or have been more in that realm of, of TV, something of like Lovecraft Country. That, I mean, yes. of like elevated sort yeah, of, right. you know, quote Which unquote prestige TV. I need to, I need and, to. And I think there was mixed kind of critical response to that right. show and it got it got canceled after the first season anyway, which, which I thought was a shame. But you know right? why, right? But, oh no. Oh, because the second season was if the South won Civil oh, War, really? um, uh, and she was going to explore the storyline. See that, of but that would have been amazing, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what interesting. we needed. Right. Yeah, but but I think this is, and that's so part of that was exploring these like themes, these actual real deep kind of socioeconomic demographic themes. Again, like we Western sort of, I guess like white capitalist Mm -hmm. artistic arenas don't want to acknowledge they actually right. exist. Have the conversation. Watch it, the film and then just go and have the conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's just like Take DeSantis like, being like, I can't believe that we're telling people that America was stolen land. And it's like, well, were people here before? Did you murder them? Probably stolen land. right? But but again, like we don't want to have that conversation. Right. So yeah, we're not going to I, dig into that. I know. I was. That's actually what brought me to it. And I did want to watch it. And I do. I'm just really scary so oh. I know that this is going to be one that like the windows yeah. have to be open the lights have to be on and it has to be 2 o'clock in the afternoon for me to watch but I'm very <laughs> intrigued by the story and that like just it's actually a genre that's popping up in books right now in YA is that going in that time period of the reconstruction era civil war and <clears throat> moving into that okay what does it look like if newly freed people had powers or they were witches or they were these things that are already on the outskirts of society anyways. So it fits them, but they're still having to navigate these systems of oppression. 
And I've very much enjoyed it. I've got like two others on my list. And I think that's what she's tapping into. And she really wanted to explore with second season. Um, but HBO just was like, I don't think we can handle the backlash pretty much yeah. kind of thing. And we talked about this a lot. And we've been talking about horror movies over the past couple of episodes and, and how horror and sci-fi has always been kind of a, a safe space to, to kind of branch out and tell these stories, mm-hmm. whether they be uh, stories of people of color or stories, you know, queer stories where they can present them in a fantastical way where you almost are tricked in a sense to not, you know, to be able to kind of open your mind to a, to a different type of story without mm-hmm. having to then, you know, for for better or worse, overcome the barrier of, of uh, that's not a movie that, that, you know, again, like from a Tyler Perry perspective of mm-hmm. that's clearly not, uh, I guess, just kind of an environment that, or, you know, it's storytelling that, that would communicate necessarily to a different type of audience right. than what Tyler Perry is trying to, to accomplish. Right. Aside from the Tom Hanks SNL skit where it's like Black Jeopardy and he's <laughs> talking about um, it. But. Right. <laughs> uh, that was a good skit. Should we do recommended if you like? I want to um, hear y'all's recommendations first. Okay, please. so well, we usually go like around. Around? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, okay. so this is but recommended if you like. Right, and, and there's no, yeah, there's no the, shame here. There's so. no like right or wrong answer. This is just kind of us okay, saying to okay, to okay. the listener out there that, hey, if you like The Woman King, you might like these two. Okay. So, okay. Um, okay, I'll start. And the first one that I came up with is a film called uh, Saloon. Have you guys seen Saloon? No. I think it's on Shudder right now. It's directed by Jean-Luc Herbelot. Okay. Um, I think it's 2022, set in 2003. A trio of mercenaries escaping a coup in Guinea-Bissau take refuge in a hidden region on the Saloon River in Senegal. But something, something from beyond the grave awaits them there. So it's kind of like a haunted house story. Uh, that seeks to explore and examine and again kind of reckon with the idea of child soldiers and what happened to them after they became child soldiers and the abuses that were sort of put upon Mm -hmm. them as child soldiers it's really cool it's really good okay so that sounds really good i'm gonna let let Devin go first okay uh (laughs) i had two is that okay yeah no no one and then we go back around okay thank you for clarifying um (laughs) i always need those detailed destructions Um, we don't do that here my first one i'll do one that has been it's previously released uh it is old but it is the women of brewster place it's a series but it is now one big film that's how i remember watching it and my youth I remember watching it in a room full of black women. My Sunday dinner, they came over. Afterwards, my dad had gone off to watch the football game, all my aunts, cousins, everything. And but it is a film, truly, of a like apartment building of black women and how they band together and the society that they're in. And it definitely dives into the roles of how do I show up in society and conversations that are hard and still happening in the black community. And you've got some wonderful actors in it. Um, Oprah being one. It was a film that I remember watching and craving those women's stories well into my teenage years, youth, and I still go back to it. Um, And I would recommend it if you kind of like that dynamic of that sisterhood, that family that is chosen. Excellent. 
Mine is still kind of sticking with the the horror theme of, of the month. Um, but mine was Eve's Bayou by Cassie Lance. Oh. Yeah. Um, She's just one of an, my favorite films. It, yeah. It's so good, and it's coming out. If it hasn't just come out on Criterion, it's it's it November. will come out. Yeah, it's, it should be, it should be this next month. Uh, about a young girl uh, and uh, her sister, and and she uh, discovers that her it, she potentially has powers, and that her dad is cheating on his mom, mm-hmm. and, and kind of that dynamic as well. But d- another story that is told and presented and not really explained from a from a it's told from a black perspective, but it's not a black story necessarily. Mm-hmm. It is just just a good movie. Right. Um, you know, presented to you by a wonderful, wonderful director. And a young journey small that. Yeah. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Who She's as so you said it, I was truly yelling out her line of get out the damn bath. <laughs> um but yes, love that film. Rewatch it frequently. All right, my next one is Neptune Frost by Saul Williams. And <laughs> did you pick that too? Uh, no, but I I did not. But um, but yeah, please talk about it. Yeah. I want to I want to shout this movie from from the rooftops. Yes, okay. and Neptune Frost. Um, gotcha. It yeah no go ahead. Go ahead. So, so we I saw mean, it together at at, yeah. at a yeah. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, we saw it at the Texas Theater. So on oh. like what was like the opening weekend of it, right? When it first, yeah, because I don't think it, it, it wouldn't have played for very right, long. The one weekend right. it was here. So this is so when an intersex African hacker and a coal tan miner and the virtual Marvel born as, as a result of their union. That's what this film is about. This is a film. It's a musical. It's a kind of art piece. It's, 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 it's a film that examines colonialism, technology, capitalism, and kind of the intersecting and damaging impacts of those things. Oh, it is, it is, Great. And the title again? Neptune, Neptune Frost. Frost. Yeah, Neptune, Neptune Frost. Frost. Okay. It is it is like nothing you have or probably will ever see again. I legit just thought in my head, that sounds like nothing I've ever seen. <laughs> so I can't even form a oh. bias or opinion of anything. I feel like in. it's I feel like it's on one of the streamers right now. I'm not I'm not sure. Okay. Um but it and I guess you could categorize it under like Afrofuturism. Okay. Right. Which, which is what I mean, there's a big uptick in that right yeah. now. So yeah. Um Oh, it's it's definitely worth checking out. Oh, I like it. Okay. Um, so mine is yet to be released. It comes out this month. It's on Netflix and I have hope, but <laughs> um, it's originally a play um, and it is a death of a king's horseman. And it is going to the Igbo tribe um, and right around the start of the first war, world war. Um, and it is dealing with the impacts of colonialism while also looking at, again, the impact of women, the feminine in the community and how pretty much they are able to keep the traditions. They are the bearers of the legacy um, while also navigating seeing this impact yet again happening on a continent that was once something and now is dealing with colonialism and and death and the loss of culture and traditions and ways and Brock have you read the play no. uh, because no. it is I believe he's a Oh, it's a playwright, and it is truly a black African Igbo man playwright. Um, And he won a whole bunch of prizes, but it is what we would teach in humanities instead of... um, Ibsen? No, come on. The one that... It will come to me after I have left here. And brutality, (laughs) colonialism, from the perspective of a man... Oh, 
I've tried to Kip- block Kipling? it out. No. No? <laughs> I've tried to block it out, and, and apparently I've succeeded. So, <laughs> no, you confirmed for me that I have done the ultimate walk away. When was the play? Which is forgetting the book completely. When was this play written? Um, it, He wrote it in the 1940s, I believe. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I hope the film is good, but I would recommend if you go and watch it and you're like, I want more, <laughs> then go to the play. But it is really well, really well done. Okay. Cool. And my other one was uh, one I've already mentioned, which was Hollywood Shuffle, or, um, d- oh, done by yeah. Robert Townsend. Uh, mainly just because, again, this whole idea of just uh, understanding th- a different perspective of how you watch movies and how mm-hmm. a community has been shoehorned or angry, you know, put mm-hmm. you know, put into these these very narrow boxes of what they can represent on screen, and and and, and done so in a in a really funny and and um, you know uh, just eye opening. But also right. just being also being hilarious in, in, in the way that they do it. Um, I'm going to get you sucker with the, from the Wayans is, is along those same lines. But those two movies kind of coming back to back that was just were just so much fun and and really just like I said, it, you don't realize how important that these types of movies are and 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 this this type of art really is and and, and you know you, you mentioned listening to digital underground and we, we you know we kind of joke about it but when i grew up i was a small you know i grew up in amarillo in west texas town oh, I mean, yeah. like, but i also grew up Roscoe sweetwater oh nice nice yes. uh <laughs> the midwest so fuck you guys. but i but i grew up on on run dmc and nwa yeah. and, mm-hmm. and so and again it's these this normalization and that we're all in the same boat and we're all, you know, human and these, these, these ideals, you know, we, we fight against this fight, maybe a strong term, but you know, you, 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 you hear all these, especially when I was growing up, you know, it was, why is there, why is there a need for BET and why is there a need for, why do I have to see, you know, why is it important that, you know, black person is on the commercial, you know, doing normal things, right? And there's a Saturday Night Live skit um, from the, from the mid 80s, or probably late 80s, with Kevin Nealon, and he's talking about how he's, he's a TV writer Mm -hmm. and it's all played for jokes and it's kind of funny, but he's talking about how, you know, I can give a person named Wilson a lot of uh, you know, a lot of wealth, but if I have to, but if I, but if I, you know, if, if a character name whose last name is Washington you know, is, has a lot of wealth then I have to spend a whole lot of time mm-hmm. writing out and explaining why it is. And, <clears throat> you know, that kind of, it's very pointed of like, you know, you know, you were <laughs> just seeing somebody like, you know, and again, for Will Smith being the fresh prince of, you know, and DJ Jazzy Jeff and these guys that are dead were just suburban kids right. who were singing about their upbringing and, and also just connecting. It's, it's I don't think when you dismiss movies like this and, and you f- try to find fault with them mm-hmm. or you try to try to focus on what seems to be the other is it's 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 it, this is why these are important. This is why right. this like you said, representation and having these people see themselves in a positive light on, you know, in, 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 in different and in real life scenarios that connect with them right. is is so I am, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything that's not that's new here, but but yeah, those but those movies are yeah. Hollywood shuffle and I'm gonna get you sucker. But but I I wanna add to this too, because I was eleven years old and I was listening to run DMC. I was listening to Eric B and Rakim and Big Daddy Kane, right? But I was also listening to Public Enemy and that was the first time that I understood that popular music could do something more, could mm-hmm. say something more, could spread this message in a way that made me go, oh shit. I wasn't listening to 
Joan Baez and, and Bob Dylan, like right. uh, uh, my right. father's music. Sure. I mean, right. that was my sort of like, no, no, I'm going to listen to this because I was fully kind of, you know, in Catholic school, right, with my Sony Walkman, <laughs> listening to like yeah. all of this rap and hip hop. And so much of it was East Coast and it was and it was pushing back against this establishment. Right. But that was the first time that I understood, right, that, that it could be used for a kind of protest, for a kind of, of statement, for a kind of. Right. middle finger right. right and so it is important to acknowledge this and, and yes we're not saying anything new but again it's important to acknowledge where we get some where i get some of these ideas from yeah, yeah i was in high school sorry i mean you're oh, about, no. but i was in, but i was in high school when tipper gore and the whole push for the parental uh, lyrics yeah. um you know yeah. explicit lyrics thing came out i can remember having the nwa tape and like kind of taking a black marker and and and, and <laughs> like sorry, so my mom wouldn't actually see it but yeah it, it's and so to that kind of censorship and, and, and into oppression of the of of the medium to even get into the hands of of right. a, a culture that could desperately use it and 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 see it as eye opening was it's I mean like I said the whole plight is is you know I, mean, I don't know I don't know what it is so if that I'm thinking also acknowledging what you all have just said but the film that you recommended um, are you excited for the spook by the door to come I am, out in? I am. And so that I so I have a um, I have a I have a I do a weekly online screening and I, oh, okay. I actually showed the spook um, by the door the, the, first, the, the original yeah. and it's one it's it's impossible to find and it's on YouTube um, but yeah it's but it that whole like that's a movie that it came out and then immediately they shut the doors on it. They pulled it from theaters and, mm -hmm. and, and weren't letting anybody show it. It was so incredible. And, and it's just that whole story is, is really, but yeah, I am. Ooh, that's actually some, my friend Shasta that I want to sell this with. We love watching the old. So with, um, the one that Barbara Streisand did and Lady Gaga just did the love story that. Not a rock. A Star is Born? Yes, A Star is Born. We went all the way back to the 30 version with Judy Garland and watched it all the way. We will definitely be doing this now that you've told me it's on YouTube yeah. with this yeah. film. Yeah. It's it's good. It's really, really good. And it's really, really surprising. Because, again, they had the book. They knew what the book was. Right. They made And, again, it was just the studio was like, oh, yeah, no, we can't have this. Right. Like, so we got to pull this out. It's, Did you listen to the podcast um, 1619 Project? Because they do have an episode on cinema mm, and, and like culture. And they talk about the these things, actually. It was a really good episode. I'll have um, to check it out. Yeah. Yes. Okay, my third film is Widows by Steve McQueen, starring oh, yes. Viola Davis. Right? I, and so this is a story of four four women mm -hmm. um, whose husbands leave them kind of, whose small-time criminal husbands leave them in debt mm -hmm. to Brian Tyree Henry and Daniel Kaluuya. And Viola Davis is kind of the leader. But this is, again, it's a movie about women taking charge, women determining their own destiny, um, women pushing back against yes. not only the men that sort of abandon them, but then the men who are threatening them. It's also a film, it's set in Chicago, so it's a film that has to reckon with that city's own kind of racism, that city's own kind of uh, gentrification, ongoing gentrification. There's a really good scene of where Colin Farrell, who's, who's an alderman, and he just gave a speech in the in a in a in a poor neighborhood, a, a socioeconomically depressed neighborhood. And he gets in his car and he drives the drives back home. And the camera is like mounted on the hood of the car. And so you're watching the neighborhood, and the neighborhood just changes in just a block. Yeah. And but again, this really cool representation of how 
how gentrification works, of how this kind of socioeconomic disparity is is just such a thin line in neighborhoods. So, yeah, yeah, I love that film. It's so, so good. good. I, it's I've just, been seeking it out and trying to find it in other ways, but it is it. Yeah. Um, well done. Yeah. Um, my third film is Daughters of the Dust, also old but good, um, but I love it because that generational, that impact between women, black women, and again, how you see that carry just across time and everybody's own interaction and that family in that way also just truly is beautifully done. Um, Again, something I saw young and has always stayed with me and is hard to find, I will give you a heads up. To, to watch, but uh, thankfully the director, I'm seeing she's coming back around more. I don't know, there was some just like lapse in her projects for a while there, and now I'm seeing her pop back up and doing some really cool things. Um, so there's also that tap into her work if you cannot find the actual film, but it was really good, really well done. My last one may be a cheat, but I'm going to go with Jordan Peele's Nope. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. I, I mean, again, it, it's not necessarily, it's just another uh, another black storyteller. I have not seen this so oh, I, won't, no. I won't spoil it for you. Oh, you, you can't. <laughs> I'm not a big one. What I would say is uh, the, the interaction um, between the brother and the sister, uh, it, it, again, it wants to speak to, to, to um, it, it's just so authentic. There's mm-hmm. just scenes where they, they interact with one another and the, the handshakes that they do and, and, and the way that they kind of give each other a side eye throughout that whole mm-hmm. entire movie, that, that brother-sister dynamic, I think is not really spoken about when they, people talk about this movie. And it's so well, it's so much what I enjoyed about the movie oh. was that, because Daniel Kaluuya is just, just kind of like, a, he's kind of, a, kind of bottled up. His dad has been killed. He's okay. now taking on the the the. the I can see him playing that well, right? You know. And this idea of him having to take over the family business, and he doesn't seem like he really wants to be doing it. Okay. And his sister is is boisterous <laughs> and, and and kind of wanting to do her own thing. But with the way that those two interact with one another, it, it, it's really kind of the the lifeblood of that movie. And it really just I don't know, this really spoke to me. Yeah, the I Kiki Palmer Dan, Daniel Kaluuya dynamic was was great because they couldn't be more right kind of opposite in terms of how you see them. I think as yeah. actors, oh, yeah. but then how they how they work that in the film it's oh, their cool. their chemistry so i mean if you would have told me that they were actually brother and sister i would have believed it because they it, had that sibling annoyance with each other right, too right. right and they don't have to say anything you're just like oh he's so <laughs> fucking tired of her nonsense which i did right. see in some interviews i love the one where she's trying out the british slang and he's like i told you you don't have to do it <laughs> and that's just Kiki and like no, I'm gonna do this. I love it and goes into a story. That is that person again because I'm scary. I was like I don't know if I can watch this. Um, and I have stuck with Jordan Peele through Get Out and and us, and and us. But us kind of. I was like, sir, it took me a while to not be like. Ah, don't step over that grate. (laughs) There's a lot less. I would say Nope is a lot more Twilight Zoney than it is scary. There there is a segment that is pretty violent. Twilight. But yeah, yeah, and he did the whole reboot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the monster isn't as monstrous. Okay. Right. Right. I can do in terms of presentation. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 definitely this veers more towards early M. Night Shyamalan for me than it does. And not to, you know. But not, it's better than early Oh, of, M. Night of course. I think Jordan Peele, not to go too far off on a tangent, but, and we That's can what we do here. But like yeah. Signs, All right. regardless how you feel about the, the overall reveal and the plot of that movie, that, that there, 
that there hasn't been a better shot film in a really long time. The way that he frames his scenes and the way that he builds tension, especially early in his career when he wasn't just so behold. I mean, like he was still beholden to the twist, but we weren't quite to that point where he had kind of run out of them. Right. Those that string of films that he did with Unbreakable Signs and and Sixth Sense were. Really, and by the time he got the signs and he had he had the budget to really truly mm-hmm. put money in it, yeah, correct. The way that he sent, the way that he mm-hmm. framed those shots and those and those scary moments where it was amazing. Yeah, as you were talking, I flashed back to like a couple of scenes and I was like, he did it well, he did. Yes. Yeah, this is the scene where you know, one, I mean, one, the the obviously the cornfield scene where the the foot slips back yeah. into the cornfield, but but the scene with Joaquin Phoenix, and I don't know why we keep talking about Joaquin Phoenix. We on this do. Podcast. He comes up like every time. <laughs> well, I mean, he's had a long career though, for real. Yeah. And he knows how to pick a film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true, yeah. true. Yeah. But when he's got the when he's got the foil hat on and he's like it, you, it, with you, like leaning into the TV, watching that you know, watching the the mm-hmm. alien cross the across the, the yard there. That's that is an amazing scene. That it is a jump out of you know out of your seat. I do I do now wonder about Stacy Keach in an M Night Shyamalan film. <laughs> That's the, <laughs> that's the ultimate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if. But I remember exactly where it was when I watched Sixth Sense for the first time. Basketball camp, went swimming, came back. They were in the lobby watching it. And I was like, what are we watching? And just jumped right in. And everybody afterwards was like, that was great. A bunch of teenage Wait, so you, girls, 11 years old. Oh, so you, okay. So you hadn't had it ruined for you. Then. No. Yeah, you're watching on a video, I'm assuming? Yes, yes. Yeah. 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 We probably weren't supposed to, but oh, college was, kids run the basketball camp. So who cares? Right, sure. They're probably right. not supposed to be doing what they were doing it was, either at this where time. Where were they? It was PG-13, the so yeah, oh, okay. it, it, was yeah, so it okay. wasn't. There wasn't a whole lot of gore. And, this, so, yes. uh, I saw that at the Cinemark Hollywood, which just recently got shut down for COVID off 635. Mm-hmm. Oh. I know. Well, it, got, it got shut down past COVID. It was not doing well. Yeah. A lot of them are just... Well, that's the thing, too. And it, we talk about, like, and I know we probably have to wrap up, but um, we talk about what's next you know and and genus had the the luxury of being able to pick and choose which movies that she's wanted to do and the only thing that really has fallen apart for her was the silver and black movie right which was the silver sable and black cat film right. that that she put on hold because she didn't like the script and she was waiting and then when then she made the old garden it kind of fell apart i don't know the woman king to me is really interesting because as of like big huge blockbuster films this feels like us outside of top gun maverick really the only one that's been this year that's mm-hmm. kind of been I mean, Halloween performs lackluster. I, I and I, I, it's been such a weird like time where right. it's hard to like pick out what has done well and what hasn't. But this movie doing well, I. But I don't know how many. You know, obviously you've got Black Adam, you got all the comic book movies that are that are coming out, and you've got Wakanda Forever coming out. But yeah, I don't know what the future of of these types of movies are, and I don't know what the future for. I mean, what Gina is actually going to do. Hopefully, she gets to do whatever style she wants to do. Right. Honestly, I'm not really sure. I want to see her go into the Marvel churn and and pick out something, unless she's unless she feels like she can bring something new to the table. Unless As there's an I said that I was like, oh yeah, I guess that is kind of now the pathway. Right. Well, they pick out all these yeah. like, and, and so you either go, you either go, you go Disney in some form or another, yep. right? And and yeah, yeah. Or otherwise, you go Universal, which was the Colin Trevorrow, like the the Jurassic yeah. Park things. But yeah, the, the, so the idea of going to these gigantic two hundred million dollar tentpole movies, which for the most part are 
terrible. Mm. I, yeah, yeah, I hope no. that that's not the case. Here. I hope not either, because I, I am excited for what is next from her, for sure. But I hope it's not, because there's a formula there. Right. And her, I, I don't want to see her do, like, her version of The Eternals. I don't want to see... I don't want to... That is true. Uh, yeah. Mm-mm. I just don't. I, I, I want to see Chloe go go back to, like the writer and and like just can we just forget about nomad land please and the eternals i'm sorry i'm, you you I'm not a fan land. of nomad land oh i think you're like the first person but also i know i'm like a fucking subversive no i was gonna say i'm not surprised i'm not surprised i'm not surprised um it, it fits um but i i i think you're right like speaking of jordan peele we like what he's doing we want him to keep doing it we're also getting kind of probably nervous of like where else are you going with this bud well I'm worried that Peel is going to fall into the Shyamalan yes. territory and so Shyamalan couldn't get out of his own way right. and couldn't tell a different story and then when he tried to he took a beloved property and then drew it you know ran into the ground with Avatar right. and so I'm worried and then he had to like completely deconstruct and go back to five million dollar movies that he was self financing and then putting them taking them to bloom to do anything else mm-hmm. and that's seemingly has kind of pulled him out of this quagmire but I, I'm yeah I'm worried that Jordan, I, I think that he's a more intelligent storyteller than than M Night has been, and I, I so I, I I have a little bit more faith. Um, so we'll see. I, yeah. I, but but I, I would love for him to do a straight. I would love for him, for him to yes. do some sort of straight movie that's not based in horror or not based in some sort of mystery. I know, you know? he loves it, but right. I, and I, I, I feel like he has like, the what skill else can set he do? to do it. I right. think he does, and right. you're right. Can he get out of his way, or is somebody in his circle like challenge yourself? I'm a no care challenge you, bud. Like right. I know you can do better. I know you can do a different way. I know there's way more room for you as a just overall talent to go in different places, push people who you'll bring together, kind of like y'all were saying with their dynamic. Um, I would love a straight, truly. Um, he could do it well. Yeah. He could. Or maybe just, I don't know, yeah, what? Give us something. So, Devin, how do, how do we listen to your podcast? Oh, it is still, um, because, you know, bro how, teachers. When can we listen to your podcast? You, it is fully done. What should we look done. out for? All right. Um, 2020 kind of halted it, not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> but it is on Spotify and it is still on Apple. What's and next? it is truly a good man's education conversation and just breaking down education for you. Awesome. All right. Yeah. All right. Devin, we are so happy you yeah, were able thank to you join so us. Much. This was so thank much you. fun. Thank you for having me. This was this such was, a treat. Yeah, this was wonderful. For um, our listeners, we're going to be talking, uh, we're going to go back into our direct, we're going to start a director series um, moving forward in the next episode. Uh, we'll be hitting up Paul Schrader, which we've kind of tinted at over the past few episodes. We're going to do, I don't necessarily know if we're going to do them all back to back, but our first pass through Schrader will be his early years, Blue Collar, American Gigolo, and Hardcore. And, uh, uh, Blue Collar, um, very interesting uh, early Richard Pryor film. Yafit Koto. Yafit Koto, yeah. So. Uh, I thought I recognized it, but... Yeah, yeah, it's... Have you ever seen Bone, by the way? With the, the Larry Larry Cohen's first film and a Yafet oh. Koto oh. Uh, oh. kind of home invasion film for him that's really, really it's, interesting. Yes. It's, I'd check it out for sure. Okay. Yeah. And I don't, know, I don't know where it's available. Probably, I, I would imagine it's on Prime or maybe Tubi, but... Uh, it, it was on Criterion. Okay. Um, it may be gone now. Because um, okay. it may have been one of those like curated yeah. right. series they did, but because um, that's where I saw it, and I forgot the name of it. But, but he's it, so menacing in that. Yeah, and um, it's it's one of those. It's again, it's one of those early '70s kind of precursor to black exploitation films, where Yafet Koto is the is the main character, and he. Uh, 
it's kind of he he's, he does this home invasion of this of this kind of really terrible white couple, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. and then it's his interaction and how you know with their interaction with one another as they're kind of stuck in this house together. Oh, I think I have actually seen yeah. this again in my youth, it's, and just did not. <laughs> yes, I think I have because yes, I'm thinking of just conversations that happened when the film turned off in my household. Um, right. Yes, I'll have to go back though. Say it again for me. Please. Bone. It's just bone? called bone. Okay, bone. And the one we'll be talking about is Blue Collar, which is Yafet Koto and and uh, Richard Pryor. Pryor and, okay. and Harvey Keitel. Yeah. And, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so that'll be fun. That'll be the Schrader series, the early years. <laughs> um, anything else we need to touch on? That's it for no. me. Devin, thanks again so much. Thank you all yeah. for having me. This of was course. wonderful. Absolutely. And thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye. 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 You have been listening to Why Does the Wilhelm Scream with your hosts, Brock and Jason. If you like today's episode, do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe in whatever application you use to consume podcasts these days. You can reach us by visiting whydoesthewilhelmscream.com. If you are in the DFW area, we would love to see you at a Fort Worth Film Club event. You can learn more about those and find a full schedule at fortworthfilmclub.com. And you can learn about my foundation and how we are trying to foster the next generation of film lovers at realhousefoundation.org. That's R-E-E-L housefoundation.org. Till next time. Ah!